your Bibles to James chapter 5 as we're bringing this to a close here probably in the next couple weeks. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. And uh, I feel like I got such an... Last week I spent so much time in the minutia of trying to figure out what the text was saying that I failed to actually preach it. Uh, and I, I hope the Lord still blessed it anyway to the hearer. Uh, we're going to... We're talking about this idea of this amongness that the church has <laughs> among us. No, that's among us. No, amongness. Yeah. Or this one anotherness. Uh, this reliance. And that's really what James is talking about is this interdependence of the church. I think this in a germ form is really what is going to be brought out by Paul more specifically in, to the Corinthians, where we are a body. Uh, we, if one member suffers, then the other members suffer with it. If the one member rejoices, the other member rejoices. And... That's kind of what Paul, uh, James is talking about here. And of course, James is written much earlier than Paul's writings. Uh, maybe the first book of the Bible. I, I believe the second book of the Bible probably written. Uh, of the New Testament, that is. And it's laying down a foundation for a fuller church doctrine. Let's read again. In verse 13, is any among you afflicted? The key term is among you. That's the context in which his affliction is happening. Let him pray. Is any merry among you, is implied? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray. So now we get into the response of the church to those that are suffering. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. When we talked about the many different ways that this can be seen. And that brings us to the results. And then we have an imperative in verse 16. It says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So... The last verse, verse 14, was just fixated on the church's response. And here we have the result in verse 15. Uh, the prayer of faith heals. Uh, that's kind of what we get out of the word save uh, here. 
this word save, kind of like uh, uh, Peter, when he's walking on the sea, he begins to sink and he says, Lord, save me. That's kind of how the word save here is being used. Uh, of course, we have the, the uh, misuse of this text among religious, in religious liturgy. Uh, think specifically of how practices like the Catholic practice of extreme unction. Anybody ever heard of the pra- that practice, extreme unction? It's the, it's the uh, seventh sacrament of the Catholic Church. And they get it right from this, church, uh, this text, and they will, will ascribe saving value to the anointing of the oil by the priests at the hour of one's death. And there are other traditions that will ascribe salvific value to things like this and they will try to say that this is what the text is teaching and this is not what the text is teaching at all it is a misuse of the text Um, they imagining that the anointing specifically the catholic idea the anointing at the end of one's life can affect final forgiveness and thus the saving of the soul and therefore, the priest will be brought... I mean, you see that in all the movies. We need a priest because this man's dying. And they'll have the priest come in and they'll genuflect. And then they'll put the oil on and, and things of that nature. But that is, this was to be a common use among church fellowship. That's, and, and whether or not that's cultural or whether or not there are specific things uh, that need to be followed here... How, whatever view you have of how verse 14 is laid out, what we see is just common practice of churches with one another. Led, of course, by the eldership. And, as, and we zero in on the idea that the prayer of faith does something among us. Here, the term, the prayer of faith, is used in, as, as a synonym almost for the praying by anointing or, the, or the, alongside the anointing in the last verse. It was done by the elders of each church and of the sick, and therefore it cannot be just simply dismissed as some kind of apostolic thing that is, has that is ceased to be, uh, that has since ceased. Now we can make the argument uh, sometimes to that extent. But there is an expectation that these things are going out or happening in the church. I think of the prayer of faith here almost like that of the paralytic man that was born by the four. We cannot say that there was not faith there, there by the sick as well as those that were burying him. The prayer of faith not only included the faith of the elders in praying, but the faith of the one that called the elders to them in order to pray. There was an exercise of faith, and the prayer of faith here shall save. Faith in Christ can make one whole. It was so in the Gospels, and it was so believed here by James, and it was so believed by the early church. The prayer of faith is is, is probably... Uh, 
a synonym for everything in the last verse. The faith of the sick calling the elders and the faith of the elders and praying. And that has a result. It's probably what we would call a third class conditional sentence. At the very end here it says, If he, shall com- he, ha- if he has committed sins, there is not directly saying that he had committed sins or that it's likely that there were sins. And by the way, not every time someone gets sick is it because of sin, right? We understand that. Job's friends didn't understand that. But we understand that. Sometimes it is. He says, Paul said once, he says, because of this, many of you are sick. <laughs> uh, uh, it, so sometimes it is because of sin, but sometimes it is not. Uh, uh, but this idea that this future more probable, if there is sin, then this same act of faith that can meet the physical need is also able to meet the spiritual need and even give assurance that that spiritual need can be met. Uh, so the Bible says... Secondly, also, not just looking at this conditional, it also says here that the Lord shall raise him up. The one that's doing the healing, the one that is doing the raising, and specifically what we mean by save is raising here in, that la- in the second part of this, uh, the second clause of this. The salvation of the sex is being raised up. Uh, in the same way that Peter, again, was raised up out of the water when he began to sink. Uh, so, it doesn't, the word is not actually heal. The word is save, and then that word save is specifically described as being raised up. So, that's the salvation of this text. Being raised up to continue on. I, I, I think of the few times where I have gone out uh, with someone who is anointed with oil and is asked for asked to be anointed and prayed for, and I can think of the effects of that on those. And even though it may not have been the way I would necessarily think that it should be practiced, I saw the effects of it. Now I can think of one person specifically that was concerned about the loss of their eyesight, about the going blind, and they went on and went what? <laughs> no, not from the oil, uh, but. But they were concerned about it. And that's why they asked to be prayed for and anointed. And, and uh, I remember going out with my grandpa. And the person still went on to go, but they end up losing their eyesight. Um, but the person was strengthened in it. Was, what, what are we to say that the promise of this text failed? No, the promise of the text did not fail. Because they were raised up, they were lifted up, they were given strength, they were, they, they, they were given help in order to prepare them for that trial and things of that nature. Grace is sufficient whether in healing or in strengthening or enabling one to bear something. The prayer of faith will either strengthen them to bear their affliction or heal their affliction, but either way it's going to have an effect. And I think that that's the real promise of this text is that it's going to be efficacious. And we're going to talk about the efficacy of it, the effectualness of it here shortly in verse 16 when we get to a summary of this. So I'm just kind of ending our, th- our comments from last week. Uh, what, what is Mark, 
and I know we, we've had conversations around this before, but what does Mark tell us about prayer? Jesus Christ say in Mark about prayer, Mark eleven twenty nine, where he says, If we ask, believing, we shall have the things that we desire. Now, the important point of this text is bringing out that believing part, this trusting in Him part, and that part being effectual. Again, it's not the elders that raised this person up. It's the Lord, it says, whose name the, whose name the faith looked to. And just as it was with the paralytic man, we again see if there were sins. Remember Jesus Christ saying to him, he says, Son, your sins are forgiven you. That's the real assurance uh, to that matter was that his sins were forgiven was the fact that he was raised up. And the Lord shall raise him up and added to that raising also if there were sins there would be assurance that those sins are also forgiven so i want to i want to focus that's just some concluding remarks on on our subject last week i want to focus now just for a few minutes on verse 16 because this will get to the heart again of this being among one another being a part of one another and what that looks like. So, we note the flow of the text from addressing the ability of the prayer of faith to address the physical and spiritual need. And that's again going to be the focus here is the spiritual need. But it's being built on what was already said. And this reciprocal faith that's supposed to exist among us as we are helping one another to address that very thing. Read again verse 16. Read again verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We have an imperative. Confess. That's a command for us. That imperative is in the present tense. And when you get out of the indicative, since it's an imperative, whenever you reach something that's in the present tense, it's kind of like a moving picture. You're not, you're not capturing anything as a whole. You're looking at a moving picture. This is, this is what is supposed to be happening all the time among us. Now again, you're going to have sects that take the that that reach this text, and they're going to build traditions around it. We have the the uh, belief in in the confessional. Uh, specific, uh, we could specifically speak about Catholics uh, practicing uh, confessions, but uh, but there's other sects that will do the very same thing. But, the, but this idea of confession and this sacrament of confession, that we're supposed to confess our sins to a priest, but that's not what the text is saying. Right? There's no priest here. Confess to who? One another. <laughs> uh, so, so we're talking about an aspect, a continuous present tense aspect 
of this being exercised over and over and over again in the church. This is something to be a, this is to be a continued reality in church fellowship. This is part of the one another. We have the, we have the for this this turn of phrase one to another and then one for another in response to the confession. So we don't confess we confess to one another, not to a priest, not to a designated elder. I, I'm grateful uh, that I get to speak to, uh, to uh, people in. The, uh, that are members uh, uh, often about various things, uh, but but honestly, that's that's the job of every brother and sister in here. That's that's the calling here. So we're this is not about developing some spurious tradition. To confess here means what? To say the same thing about a matter. That's, that's what the, the, we have the word, 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 word homo, which means the same, and logos, which means uh, the word, the same word. And, and this time it has a prepositional prefix, which means out of. So this confession is to be wholly out of saying the same thing. So hopefully you and I are, are learning together the commandments of Christ. We are fulfilling the Great Commission in that, in that idea. We are learning His will. We are learning to say the same thing about His will. And, uh, and, and as that is worked out in us, this confession is done freely. This confession is done openly. Uh, we're, not a, we're, not, we're not trying to hide or cover or like Achan, pretend like there is no sin among us. But it is done sincerely out of a whole heart. That's ideally what we're dealing with in this confession. Uh, We should feel comfortable in our fellowship making confessions to one another. I'm not saying sharing secrets or something like that, but brother, I've fallen here. Brother, I'm, that was a mistake that I made. Brother, that's, I, I sinned here. Now, I would not be... It would be, I wouldn't be, it would be remiss if I didn't mention that there is a textual variant. I don't think it's a big one. But if we were to examine all kinds of different ancient manuscripts today... Some of those manuscripts would say one use one word here and the other one the other one. The received tradition that we have right here in our King James says confess your faults. And if that's the correct reading, what is what what does this word faults mean? Well, it means that we confess our lapses. And by the way, it's usually pretty obvious when those lapses are occurring in each and every one of our lap. Uh, uh, well, one thing where I'm gathering out of this idea of confessing our faults is that we are our brother's keepers, every single one of us. We confess our lapses or really our false steps, our transgressions, if you would, 
either those one towards another or those that are toward the Lord. And it would be a synonym for the word sin, which, by the way, is the word in the critical text. That is not the underlying Greek of the King James. So if it's a synonym, it doesn't really make a truly significant difference in the reading if you say faults or if you say sins, transgressions or sins. But some people do make a big deal about it. And I don't think it's a big variant, but that variant is there. It was so, but the point of all this, no matter if that word is transgression or the word is sins, if the word is false, or the, the, the significance is this. We're careful one with another. We're showing care about how each other are living out our faith. And we have such a care one for another that we're able to, if I offend Brother Thomas, I hope I haven't, <laughs> I can go to Brother Thomas and say, Brother Thomas, I've wronged you. Right? That there doesn't need to be this subterfuge or this, or this uh, I don't need to skip church for three weeks hoping, that, hoping Thomas will forget it or, <laughs> or something to that nature. But I can feel freely and secure enough in our fellowship one with another to go confess my faults to him. Or even more, if a, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, Galatians 6, that's not talking necessarily about a fault one towards another, but a fault in their life, a transgression, a, mis, a, a series of missteps, or, or whatever it is, and, and they've fallen that I should feel comfortable enough in my fellowship with Brother Thomas to go to Brother Thomas and say, Brother Thomas, I really need some help in this matter. And to believe that he's spiritual enough to restore me and help restore me. That's an important idea to our fellowship. Amen? It's, it's important. And it's not it's just not 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 for not not for our deacon and it's not for our elders, it's it's for any one of you. We're careful about one another's progress in the faith. To say the same things openly, to confess in this matter our own conduct is to work to ensure that we are following Christ together. We're close behind Him. And it's not just the open confession of the church, but the imperative of prayer. So we don't just have the, we're not just going around talking about our faults all, and, and nothing else coming of it. But what does the text say? Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Here, all in, the, all in the church are learning from the elders. We have this idea of the elders. Uh, there, there, is, there is false confessing going on in verse 14. And here in verse 16, we have an even broader scope of that happening. 
So there's a learning from the elders in verse 14 and an application to the broader fellowship in verse 16. And again, this imperative is in the present tense. This is the continuous aspect of what church fellowship looks like. Confession to one another, prayer for one another. His house shall be called the house of prayer. All right, at least uh, one of you on this. Right? Uh, uh, some people think that that's uh, uh, that if we call ourselves Bible Baptist Church, that somehow we're uh, unbiblical because we're not calling ourselves a house of prayer. <laughs> but that's not what. No, no, that, 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 that should be identifying mark of a church. That they're praying. They're a praying people. And the objects of their prayers are for each other. Have you prayed for the your fellow church members this week? Not all. I mean, I, uh, if you haven't prayed for all of them, have you prayed for some of them? The ones that are upon your heart, have you, have, have you prayed for them? That's supposed to be an aspect of our church. There, 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 there is another word that pops out here. And some says it's most... One, one theologian said it's the most important... One of, the mo- one of the most important words in the New Testament, uh, we get the word uh, hyper from it, but it means uh, in the stead of, and that's that little word translated for. Pray one for another, on behalf of one another. You know what we are? We're a kingdom of priests. Right? We, we, we believe in the priesthood of believers, but I think we believe it sometimes for the wrong, with the wrong aspect on it. We believe we're a kingdom of, or we, we believe in the priesthood of the believer that we can go to God ourselves. But priests go to God on behalf of others. If we, if we believe in the priesthood of believers, we should always be interceding for others. And who are we interceding for here? One for another. One for another. One on behalf of another. And we're continuously bringing those matters uh, before Christ. Paul continuously encouraged this aspect in, in Christian fellowship and continuously build upon that. We pray that we may experience healing. It goes on, it says in our text, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. I want you to notice, or it, it's hard always with this idea of you. In the, in the English, to really convey, convey the idea that's in the Greek. And one of the things that I really love studying the Greek is I've learned that, uh, and I mentioned this Wednesday, I learned that, uh, that the hillbilly idiom Y'all is the proper way to sometimes say things. <laughs> or all of you all. But uh, it's not, not just because in English you would say you if it's singular, you'd say you if it's plural, and you don't know if it's singular or plural. Here, it's that y'all. Y'all. Yeah, you ever drive up in Florence and it says Florence, y'all, <laughs> on the size of that water tower? <laughs> And you know you're in Kentucky, right? 
because but it's really proper to use that language if you really want to get exact. Us hillbillies are ahead of the curve, right? Here, that's that ye, that you, is y'all, or all y'all. That's what it is, all right? So uh, we pray for the spiritual health one of another. And this is modeled first by the elders, the extreme case of the sick, and is lived out in the broader context, context of the whole community of the saints. That the whole body may be healed, that the whole of us may be healed. That's why we do this. That's why we confess. That's why we pray. Because the problem isn't so much that one of us is suffering from cancer or one of us is one, one of us is, is, uh, is uh, suffering in this way or in that way, but the health of the whole is what is in line here. It's what, it's what is being zeroed in on. James is consumed with a healthy, interdependent church. And he sees it important at this very... He, he sees how important it is that we as a whole are healthy, that you all may be healed. That's what Paul was specifically talking about in 1 Corinthians, that there be no schism here. Or in Ephesians, where he talks about us growing up together in the faith, being, having what every joint is supplying, healthy. A oneness to the body, a wholeness to the body. I think it's amazing here that he has spent so much time, and it's, and, and, and it's, been, and it's been in this context of, of, of fellowship one with another this entire time, where he's talking about all these various pitfalls and all these things in the book of James. He's talked about faith without works and the problem with the tongue and worldliness and all these things. And he gets to the very last part of this and he's constantly talking about forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness of sins and all these things. And he's talking about it still in the context of one anotherness. Here is... This amazing focus that he has been highlighting this. As you read through James, you've been just as convicted as I am about how we live out our faith among one another. And then we get to the end of James, and he said, and he's talking about how we, as collectively as a church, can be healed. I think that's a very important truth. He ends with this last general assertion to continually encourage us. Just one little phrase, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I don't know what to say about this. It's true. Uh, where would you be if you didn't have Christians interceding for you? Where would you be without the prayer of the saints? There's a lot to be said in these few words. The prayer or supplication of the righteous one among us. This type of prayer, give, this is the type of prayer that is given an imperative for all who 
to practice. And it's just simply said that this kind of prayer has great sway. The prayer of a justified saint being made effective by being used in the confines of this text, confessing and interceding one for another, that kind of prayer is what is meant by effectual. Uh, it's been mentioned here that it is prayer, the word, the, this idea of effectual fervent. That word fervent gets this idea of, of something being worked in us by God by His Holy Spirit. And that is evident in the kind of prayer it's talking about. This kind of prayer that's on behalf of others. Something being worked in us by the Spirit, and it says it prevails. The verb for heal, by the way, is the second person plural, that ye all, how we already talked about, indicating that we're talking about something much broader than just the sick in the previous verses. We're talking about the whole man. Paul said, I will pray in the Spirit. And that's what we need. If we're truly praying in the Spirit, we would be praying intercedingly one for another. I hope, I know these are just some broken thoughts about this text, and I hope you've got something from it. I do want to say, that this, what we have here in the opposite, here, here in the end, where it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, is the exact opposite that he spoke about in the beginning. In James chapter 1, he talked about the one wavering, the one not believing, the one being like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and toss, and says, That man shall not receive anything of the Lord. And here we get to the end of this one interceding for his fellow members. And he says, the effectual fervent prayer of that righteous one. It avails. We need to strive to have this kind of prayer among us. And it becomes a resistance to all the faults, all the stumbles, all the sins, all the transgressions that we're all stumbling over. Hope you received something from the Word of God this morning. And we'll pick up there for next week. All right, let's go ahead and stand and we'll be dismissed.